It's not just good conversation, it's your voice on the weekends. Weekends with Kenny Rahmeyer on News Radio KLBJ. I really enjoyed your show. Put the mic down. Either let people call in or play music or do something. Stop just talking. And that's why you're the pro. Come on, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. And good afternoon to you. Thanks a lot for being with us on News Radio KLBJ. I'm Kenny Romeyer, live and local for you this afternoon. Well, I guess we'll call it the unofficial Super Bowl pre-party this afternoon, right? There's still a lot of stuff to talk about before everybody starts watching that big game later on. A lot of presidential politics. Yeah, we'll uh, have a little bit of Super Bowl and even Valentine's Day news coming up here and a whole lot more on KLBJ. Well, I got to start with this. On the campaign trail, former President Trump makes, in my opinion, some real bonehead moves as he's out campaigning in South Carolina yesterday. I guess the Super Bowl of Taylor Swift, all that stuff, just getting way too much attention. He can't handle that. Of course, he needs to be the star of the show. And so a weekend, which should have been all about how bad a week President Biden had this past week. Instead, President Trump hands his critics, I think, a couple of nuggets on a silver platter. So we'll have that for you on KLBJ. Meantime, back at the White House, President Biden's team, his campaign team, his allies, circling the wagons to protect a failing president. And it's full speed ahead with his campaign, the New York Times, says it's called Operation Bubble Wrap. Forget the basement, that's, that's old news. It's now Operation Bubble Wrap. A lot of comments this weekend from some revered Democrat strategists like David Axelrod, James Carville, and others. They say there's big problems ahead for the president. So a few questions that we'll tee up this afternoon as we go along. Will there be an aggressive press corps that won't let up on the president's cognitive shortcomings. Will anyone in the Democrat Party step forward and say, enough is enough? Invoke the 25th Amendment, whether that's in the cabinet. Yeah, Congress could have a role to play in all this if somebody would step forward or some members of Congress would step forward. So we're going to touch on all of that and a whole lot more. This afternoon, you can join us, as always, 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. I mentioned former President Trump mixing it up with his opponent on the Republican side, Nikki Haley, on the campaign trail. And, um, and of course, he's talking about a lot of stuff, but one of the things that he gets into is... Uh, not necessarily against Haley per se, but it is a nugget that his critics can jump all over. And it's about some comments that he reportedly made when he was president dealing with some other foreign leaders about how the members of NATO were not paying up. And here's some of what he said about that. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, 
will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. Don't take the side of someone who has gone in and invaded a country and half a million people have died or been wounded because of Putin. Don't take the side of someone who continues to lie. I dealt with Russia every day. The last thing we ever want to do is side with Russia. So there's what Trump said, and there's, of course, his opponent, Nikki Haley, immediately chiming in. And it just gave fodder to so many of those on the Sunny TV news shows today and his critics on the Democrat side and all the rest. He's making a reasonable point. He's, he's made it many times. He gets credit over the past several years for urging NATO members to step up and, and try to pay more, right? But he, he just wouldn't leave it alone. And then he says something like this, even as Tucker Carlson just interviews Putin about Ukraine and all the rest. And so just timing-wise, not a good move. Again, he could have let Biden just simmer in what was a terrible week for him this last week. Instead, he goes out and says something like that and gives everybody some fresh fodder to pounce on him. And then, if that's not enough, he takes on Nikki Haley and where's her husband? Here's, here's a wrap from Fox on that. Former President Trump and Nikki Haley trading jabs as he tries to knock her out of the presidential contest. The blows turning personal Saturday. Trump at a rally was talking about a meeting he had with Haley in Mar-a-Lago. Then he turned his attention to Haley's husband. She comes over to see me at Mar-a-Lago. Sir, I will never run against you. She brought her husband. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. Michael Haley serves in the South Carolina Army National Guard. He began a year-long deployment to Africa in June. Haley is blasting Trump's comments as she pushes ahead with a two-week-long bus tour ahead of the GOP presidential primary. <laughs> so, I mean, here's Trump, right? His wife is largely absent on the campaign trail. Understand she's been taking care of her sick mom who's now deceased and all that. Okay. But given that suburban women are clearly, would you agree, they are a key general election demographic? You take a look at the polling data, a lot of them have moved away from the Republican Party, certainly when Trump was in office. Whether they're going to come back or not, don't know. Haley's demonstrated in the polls, if you believe them, that she's got some strength amongst those suburban women voters and even independent voters for that matter. And the most recent Wall Street Journal poll had Haley beating Biden by 17 percentage points. A lot of that due to a lot of the attention that she gets and support from suburban women and independents. So you can argue if that's a smart move on Trump's part to, to go after her husband, who's serving in the National Guard in the southern part of Africa. I, I think it was just between that, the NATO comments and that. Not smart. And then, the icing on the cake. I was mocked and laughed at back during the holidays when I was sitting in for Mark and Melinda talking about, I wonder if Taylor Swift's going to get involved in politics, and I wonder who she might endorse and all that. And so, who does Trump go after this weekend? Taylor Swift. He says that she's being disloyal to Trump if she were to support anybody other than Trump. 
And by the way, she mentioned that Travis Kelsey, the star tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, even though he said he likes them, said he's probably a liberal. That probably doesn't sit well with a lot of Chiefs fans up in the Missouri area, for example. And for him to say there's no way that Taylor Swift can endorse Biden, you mean former Mr. President, like she did in the last election cycle? She, she might not do that again this time. Now, he claims that because he signed the Music Modernization Act, that was uh, back in 2018. Uh, um, it was a, a copyright-related uh, bill that was really designed to in- ensure that the digital royalties were, were going to come you know, to the uh, musical artists and they'd receive more fair payment for the licensing of their music and all that. Fair enough. Probably helped uh, Taylor Swift and others, but, but Trump's going to take credit for her being a billionaire for making, uh, Garrett, what did you tell the sports guys? $13 million some dollars per, uh, yeah, per concert. Trump's going to take credit for all that. Trump allegedly told aides, doesn't matter if Taylor Swift endorses Biden because he's more popular than she is anyway. Oh, my gosh. He supposedly, according to Rolling Stone, said it was wrong that Swift was named Time Magazine Person of the Year. Should have been him, of course. I mean, the guy is is a narcissist second to none on the planet, right? I think we're all aware of that. So you can decide if it's a smart move to take on Taylor Swift or not and her legions of fans and all their moms. Only time will tell, seems to me, in a close race, which this one's surely going to be come November. I'd rather rather have her on my side than not on my side. You think this is going to help? She did voice her support for Biden during the 2020 presidential election, right? Even this weekend, Real Times host Bill Maher said he's convinced that Taylor Swift could literally swing the election in favor of Biden. So I'm not the only one thinking that. And then these comments, just icing on the cake, I think he'd be better off staying out of it. Too late for that. Maybe she'll be smart enough to stay out of it. I don't know what that gains her by by jumping into presidential politics, but you know what? She's got enough money. She's got enough fans. Maybe it doesn't matter to her. She's going to go ahead and weigh in anyway, especially as he has now kind of uh, thrown out this stuff in the mix, right? Okay, 512-836-0590. We come right back. A whole lot of news about the president, as I mentioned, his campaign team, his allies, members of the cabinet, and that all circling the wagons. And, and it's been told in the New York Times, full speed ahead with the campaign, it's called Operation Bubble Wrap. We'll have it for you coming up here on KLBJ. And thanks for being with us this afternoon. Weekends with Kenny Romeyer, News Radio KLBJ. Yeah, we are live and local for you on this Super Bowl weekend here on KLBJ. The co-chair of President Biden's re-election campaign, that would be Mitch Landrieu, says that uh, the commander-in-chief is in it for the long haul. He was out on NBC's Meet the Press defending the president and that terrible week that he had this past week, including a disastrous press conference there on Thursday night, as well as some other memory lapses. Um, Landrew said the president made the right call in skipping that uh, 
pre-Super Bowl interview, and, and this is, as we'll discuss as we go along here, this is part of the strategy, Steve, of Biden passed on the big Super Bowl interview opportunity, but he's got a little uh, video out there on Twitter, on X, where he's basically cajoling the big food companies to stop ripping off consumers. You know, put more food in the bags and, and lower your prices, and they think that's the kind of strategy that's going to work for them, as opposed to the president just getting out there and, and meeting the public. In these in big scheduled events, whether they're you know town halls, debates, press conferences, whatever, more of a guerrilla type strategy, I suppose. Right here's a little bit of what Mitch Landrieu had to say on NBC's Meet the Press. I have met with him personally. I have met with him with two people, five people, ten people. I have been on trips with him, crisscrossing the country, rebuilding uh, America based on this incredible infrastructure uh, bill that was passed. And I'm telling you, this guy's tough. He's smart. He's on his game. And of course, what else is this guy going to say? So the president's almost certain to be the Democrat Party's nominee as long as he wants. That seems to be the consensus from a lot of what I've read this weekend. No prominent Democrats are calling for him to step aside. No known serious conversations about it. At least none that have been reported. And the campaign, the White House, are not signaling any new strategy. They are going to try to uh, keep him active on the campaign trail, but, as I just mentioned a moment ago, smaller events or interviews with non-traditional media, like podcast hosts. Donors apparently starting to look into what happens if Biden should drop out. A, a lot of Democrats don't see any other options at this point. They have concern over the vice president heading up the ticket. But as one of them, a Democratic strategist, said anonymously, did used to work for uh, former President Obama, quote, there's no plan B, there's no plan C, there's no plan D. So we're going to fight like, you know what, and just try to eke it out. So the broad conclusion among Democrats is this past week or so, it's dangerous, it's misleading, and, and the caricature of the president as as failing in so many ways, it's erroneous, but there is a risk that it's going to begin to set in. I saw this column from a report from a Associated Press reporter talked about last week, a devastating development for Biden's White House uh, campaign. Said to Biden's team, it's panicked incoherence, according to this AP reporter, about him being angry about how he's getting meaner. CNN reports inside the White House and among the president's re-election campaign staff, the tension is constant. Top aides have set the strategy that the president doesn't need to play the Washington news cycle game of these constant appearances. Dozens of officials, aides, others who spend time with Biden in private are telling CNN over the last three years they find him to be completely on top of things. They're concerned about how much sleep the president's getting, how he looks. Those have been topics of conversation with his advisors. In internal meetings, according to CNN, over the last few weeks, the president's being encouraged to do more informal campaign stops, like the, uh, the retail politics that he's so famous for, apparently, right? Like stopping at the milkshake shop. So the reporter's going to ask him, what's the flavor today? 
Mr. President. They say nothing combats questions about the president's competence as much as people seeing him in action. I would question that logic, but let's move on. Democrat operatives and consultants, according to CNN, are chipping in with their advice, spend a whole lot more time working on his makeup and lighting. They're telling the Biden aides. Or finally accept that the arthritis explanations just aren't working anymore. Start having him do more events where he starts out seated instead of being photographed shuffling to the podium. Other Democrats are more blunt, reacting with rage when talking about the president still going on bike rides. After he stumbled a couple of years ago, wait a minute, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC said that's one of the reasons he's doing so well, right? Because he's still riding his bike. How much money are they paying her? Millions of dollars, and that's her best analysis, that he's riding a bike? And that means he's okay? So Biden's aide stressing privately that suggestions that his memory is lapsing, they're not going to hurt him because voters have already priced that in to uh, decisions about whether he's going to be the next uh, president or not. And that when they consider that compared to Trump, that Biden's going to win every time. Now, here's the part about the bubble wrap. His re-election campaign has launched Operation Bubble Wrap. This according to insiders telling the New York Times, all this aimed at protecting Biden from his unflattering trips and stumbles, whether he's on stage or just trying to get on Air Force One and, and little pressers there. You may have already noticed one way, if the president's doing any kind of formal press engagement, they wrap it up, they start yelling loudly, or if there's any kind of more formal setting, they crank up the music to, to ensure that he knows he's done. And, and that's the end of the event. So there's this virtual cocoon that's forming around him. The first lady, reports are, she sent out an email to her backers over the weekend, very upset with all the treatment that her husband's been getting. Here's a quote. Joe's 81, that's true, but he's 81 during more in one hour than most people do in a day. His age with his experience and expertise is an incredible asset, and he proves it every day. Well, what else is she going to say, right? Democrat strategist James Carville's been talking a lot lately. I think, as I mentioned at the opening of the show, the guy's revered. He helped Clinton get elected two different times. They go to him time and time again for, for some wisdom of the ages, right? And he pretty well cuts through it, kind of calls it like it is. Some people don't like it on the Democrat side when he says that, when he's so blunt. But nevertheless, he's raising concerns over the weekend about Biden skipping the Super Bowl interview. He said that means the staff doesn't have confidence in him that he turned down that, that Super Bowl interview. And he says, well, with the guy's age and, and everything that's been happening lately, I'm quoting here, he says, what can you do? Well, you're pretty limited, according to Carville. Democrats apparently now looking to, hoping for interventions from the Supreme Court, maybe a criminal conviction for Trump. Carville says we're officially in Hail Mary mode here. Another Democrat strategist wouldn't go on record, but he said, we're a DEFCON 1 situation here. Obviously, the pants rising 
within the Democrat Party, according to CNN. And, and then Carville, again, referencing last Thursday, said the whole day just confirming an existing suspicion. That none of it good. So when we come back from this news break, we'll have some comments that Carville has made over this weekend, in addition to some other Democrat strategists like Paul Begala, David Axelrod, even Hillary Clinton, all with advice for President Biden. All that coming up here on KLBJ. Stay with us. And Kenny Rahlmeyer back with you live and local this afternoon on News Radio KLBJ. Thanks a lot for being with us on this Super Bowl Sunday. We come back to you with some some breaking news from the Pentagon. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has been taken to the hospital again. Not a lot of details at this point. Uh, at least we've heard about it. Now you've heard about it. Is anybody telling President Biden about it? This time we have to ask. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin reportedly taken to the hospital, that according to the Pentagon, this afternoon. Also, a little bit earlier this afternoon, I've seen multiple media outlets reporting that uh, shots were fired at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Houston. Uh, KVU reports uh, the possible shooter is down. So, developing story there. We'll keep you posted on anything uh, new coming to us on either one of those stories as we go along here this afternoon. I'm talking a little bit about uh, the president's problems, cognitive and otherwise. His campaign team, his allies circling the wagons. After a disastrous week for him last week, we talked earlier in the show about some some real uh, bonehead moves, I think, on the part of uh, former President Trump out on the campaign trail. You're welcome to join us on any of this, 512 I will continue to ask as I go through some more news about President Biden this afternoon. Will anyone in the Democrat Party, cabinet, Congress, family members, anybody will step forward and say, that's enough. We're not going to do this to the country. We're not going to let this guy do it to himself. Invoke the 25th Amendment, right? Something. We're going to talk about that here on KLBJ. I mentioned that uh, Democrat strategist James Carville was on CNN this weekend. Here's a little bit of what he had to say about uh, Biden's predicament. The the public knows he's old, and he is old. It's just there's there's no convincing one way or the other. The Super Bowl interview. You're, I don't know, polling averages, you're three points down in a two-way uh, it's the biggest television audience, not even close, and you get a chance to do a 20, 25-minute interview on that day, and you don't do it, that's a kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you. There's no other way to read this. And he's not going to do debates. He is old. I know what it is because I'm almost as old as he is, and it's never going to get better. They have made the ch- choice that they want to go through with this. Uh, I, I know Democrats, myself, being one, fundraisers, donors, you know, door knockers, flushers, volunteers, the whole democratic infrastructure of the country, we need to be told, okay, this is what the president's going to do. This is what he's not going to do. Uh to try to work around whatever it is. But I thought the Super Bowl interview was telling. I also thought the fact that the documents that he took were about Afghanistan. I think he's obsessed with saying he's wrong. 
All right. So he went on to, to talk about how uh, some of the events that unfolded with the uh, Department of Justice saying they're not going to uh, charge him with anything for his document boo-boos and all that was a good thing. Begala, Paul Begala, another Clinton White House aide back in the day, talked about Biden's week last week, said it's terrible for the Democrats. Begala's advice, he just simply needs to be on the attack 24-7 for the next 200 68 days. David Axelrod, former strategist for former President Obama, has said, fair or not, you can't unring the bell. He said the most damaging things in politics are the things that confirm people's pre-existing suspicions, and those are the things that travel very fast. It's a problem, referring to Biden's mental lapses that have been so apparent to many of us. It is kind of frustrating, frankly. I've been sitting here for two years talking about this stuff. I got the hate mail to prove it. You know, I would say, come on, Kenny, you're not a doctor. You don't know anything about uh, the Biden's fine and all that stuff. I mean, I heard it all the time. And now a lot of other people coming around to it. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said she thinks the president's age is a problem. She says it's a legitimate issue. She says just lean into it with your years of experience. Make an occasional joke about your age. A lot's being made. The New York Times has had uh, a few days on the editorial pages of, of some pretty d- tough news for the president. The editorial board said it's a dark moment for Biden's presidency. That was back on February 9th. Maureen Dowd, in, in one of her columns, this weekend, the headline, Mr. President ditched the stealth about health. She said health's no longer uh, possible as far as stealth about health. And then the sooner that your team stops being in denial about that, the better off Democrats are going to be. She went on to say the Biden team clearly has no plan for how to deal with the president's age except to shield him and hide him and browbeat reporters who point out that his mental state is a genuine issue. And then there was uh, another editorial piece this weekend that uh, talked about Biden, and, and it came right out and said he shouldn't be running. So you're starting to lose the New York Times on the editorial pages. That can't be good, right? But I will continue to ask. That's just the New York Times. Will there be anybody aggressive enough in the media to really get out there and and take this on? I mean, the poll numbers, the latest uh, ABC News poll that's out this weekend, ABC News uh, Ipsos polling, had 80-some percent of people saying that Biden is is too old. So... Let's start talking solutions here a little bit, right? Last Thursday, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, said that Biden's supposed to soon have his annual physical. Last one was in February of last year. And and she said from the podium there in the White House, the results are going to be disclosed. Okay, wouldn't we like to see that? Now, a lot of uh, press this weekend in the Washington Post and elsewhere I guess defending the president in some regards, right? Here's this uh, doctor from the University of Miami, David Lowenstein, director of the Center for Cognitive Neuroscience and Aging at the University of Miami. 
and said, tests have got to determine if there's a medical condition, and if so, the nature and the extent. Verbal stumbles are not proof. Another professor of psychiatry, neurology, and epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh, Dr. Mary Ganguly, said recall is just one aspect of cognition. Medical experts on Friday said judgments shouldn't be based not on science and, and all of that, but um, you got to take a look at, at a wider set of data, a sophisticated battery of objective tests that probe several areas, different types of memory, language, executive function, problem solving, spatial skills, and attention. This Dr. Ganguly said, a detailed exam might take an hour, might additionally involve interviews with family members. I don't think that's a great idea, but this Dr. Lowenstein went on to say, I've got a test that takes longer. It's of objective tests, and it's a basic tenet of the field, never to diagnose a patient you haven't seen in a medical setting. Okay, fair enough. How about this? Let's have the president take all of those tests, and how about former President Trump? Should he be the nominee? Let's have him take them as well, and then disclose all of the information, all the results. Isn't that only fair? If we're going to place our future in these guys' hands, why not know all the data? Both of them should come forward and said, I'll take the test. Of course, Trump always says he's already taken it. He aced it. Yeah, well, some of us would like to see proof of that. I have little confidence any of this is going to happen. If they want to do extensive testing, have it be more scientific, not just base it on some special prosecutor in the Department of Justice, that's fine. Or on public opinion, that's fine. Take the test. Give us the results. We'd like to see them. Boy, what we wouldn't give for a president like Eisenhower back in the day, right? I found this interesting reading this weekend. Eisenhower, of course, ran for office in, what, 55, I guess. He was elected first term. And then, get this, in his diary in November of 1954, at age 64, he questioned whether his age should keep him from running again. I mean, here's one of the greatest military commanders in U.S. history at age 64. Didn't know if he should run again. He did decide to run again. Unfortunately, he had a heart attack in 55. In 57, he had a small stroke, but he completed his term. Now, get this. The aides at the time didn't want anybody to know anything about this. They wanted to hide his condition. Instructed his staff, that's what he did, and said, no, tell him everything. What a refreshing change of pace that is, huh? And I've said many times on the show, don't have time to get into it now, back in 1919, 1920, Woodrow Wilson, incapacitated by a stroke, his wife and a small handful of aides essentially ran the government for about a year and a half. All this was, uh, was confirmed in an autobiography that she wrote back in 1938 of how she participated in screening the memos and all that were coming into the president, prioritizing what he saw. She claimed she didn't make any decisions that he did. Nevertheless, a family and a group of small aides kept it from the public of how incapacitated Woodrow Wilson was back in the time. So what about the 25th Amendment, right? That means the vice president and cabinet members get together and say, hey, we got to pull this guy aside He's not capable of, of continuing in office. 
You know, that amendment just came around in 1967. They wanted to do it against Trump. Pence and others wouldn't go along with it. But I found this interesting reading that there is an alternative to the 25th Amendment. A panel created by Congress can declare a president unable to serve. Well, where are those people in Congress? Why aren't they stepping forward about all that? And I continue to see these stories, one this weekend, in fact, Democrat alarm over third-party challengers have been growing. Quinnipiac polling shows that Kennedy, Cornell West, Jill Stein, you put them all together, they get 20% of the vote. I, it seems at this late date, I don't know how any third-party participant's going to get any traction. And here's, I'll leave you with this before we move on to some lighter news about the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. There's a big fundraiser coming up for President Biden on, it's late March, and the big deal about it is Obama and Clinton are supposed to be there, kind of the headliners. I was joking with some friends this weekend. How about this? We've heard so much about Michelle Obama taking the slot right at the Democrat convention. She doesn't want it. David Axelrod said that this weekend. Okay, how about this? So Biden's up there making an appearance in the late March event and then brings up the superstars, Obama and Clinton. And they say, Joe, have a seat. We're going to go off script here for just a moment. Everybody out there, we got the answer. We know Michelle doesn't want to be the president. We got that. We're going to put her in a slot where she doesn't have to do anything. That's the vice presidential slot. We do know somebody that would like to be president. And I can tell you who that is. That's my loving wife. I'd like to get her out of Chappaqua because I'd start having some fun again. You know what I mean? Right. So it's the Clinton Obama ticket, and then Taylor Swift comes in and endorses the ticket right there on stage. It would be all over for Trump and the Republicans, right? 512-836-0590. You heard it here first. We'll come right back, have a little fun with the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day and a lot more. Right here on KLBJ. All right, right back with you here on News Radio KLBJ, Kenny Rahmeyer. And executive producer Garrett's going to join in for this segment. Uh, Garrett's, of course, if you don't know, is really the secret sauce of success for the uh, Jeff Ward, Ed Clements weekday sports show on 102.7 ESPN just down the hallway. Garrett, thanks for chiming in here this afternoon. First, before we get to a little Super Bowl news, because you're the sports guy here. Uh, the Senate voted earlier today to advance a foreign aid bill. This is that one that's uh, the $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, et cetera. 67 in favor, 27 opposed. It's been stalled for months. It's still not a done deal. There may be some amendments, but that was popping this afternoon, or a rare Sunday session in the Senate. And then this out of the Wall Street Journal, uh, deep below the headquarters of that UN agency, that's supposed to be given all the relief to Palestinians there, right? They found a huge Hamas complex, computers, uh, communications center, intelligence hub. Unbelievable, this installation underneath those UN facilities. Of course, the UN folks say they didn't know anything about it. Israel, of course, points to that and says, yeah, these, a lot of these same people were involved in the attack on us on October 7th. So some key developments there. Keep you posted on that. All right, a little uh, Super Bowl news by the numbers here. Garrett, so you chime in any time. We know just as far as tickets go, unbelievable. Uh, cheapest face value tickets, 
sold directly by the NFL, $2,000. Well, those that's crazy. Get this, a 20-person suite, $1.8 million. An eight-person suite, $330,000. And how about this, a four-seater, Garrett, for you and your girlfriend and Jeff and Ed, $150,000. You still have time for that one? Probably not. But I guess so, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good, right? Uh, Travis Kelsey, the, the star tight end for the Chiefs, he's got a suite there for Taylor Swift and all the family. million dollars for that suite. That makes me sick. For, for Kelsey and the fans. So they say... Uh, of course, the the ad, $7 million for a 30-second spot, right? We've heard all that. Hotel rooms, $2,000 per night. Uh, tickets, I mentioned the, the $2,000. The tickets are like $10,000 and, and up, right? Crazy. Unbelievable. And and this, uh, you probably heard about this, the, uh, the quarterback, Mahomes, for the Chiefs, just telling all his guys, hey, don't participate in any shenanigans out here in Vegas. We win. I'll fly all 53 of us back out to Vegas for a big party. You heard about that? That's got to be so expensive. How's that sound? Who do you think? Nike or somebody else will pick that up, though. Oh, right? yeah, for Probably sure. For him, no problem. So here's how about this. Uh, the National Retail Federation says $86, roughly, on game day activities is what the average family is going to spend watching the Super Bowl this year, 86 bucks. Because that's for beer, chips. yeah. All the extras. Hot dogs. You add it all up, they say, for Super Bowl Sunday 2024 and all that, $17 some dollars that consumers are going to spend. Crazy money, right? That's unbelievable. So they say 330,000 to 450,000 people in Las Vegas this weekend, spending between $500 million and over a billion dollars there, that from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Staggering numbers there, right? I mean, it makes your head spin, doesn't it, Garrett? Absolutely. Just us average guys. Um, the, the ads, apparently, a lot's been made about those. They say, Wall Street Journal says, they're going to try to break through with some humor, but they don't want to offend anybody. They're going to be really careful not to uh, make anybody mad <laughs> with the ads. For And how about this? Have you heard about these doink cameras? This is also in the Wall Street Journal. They put six cameras in the goalpost in the end zones just so they can have every angle of a close field goal is it in is it out how close was it in that think of that six cameras just just for the end zone that's ridiculous they call it the doink camera and they've got in the truck in the cbs truck they say the the producers the all the guys doing that stuff the technical stuff they've got 60 some replay feeds uh, on any given play that they can play back to the viewer. I mean, that's it, amazing, isn't it? You might it? need, I guess, 10 of them, and that's about it. But on a close play, right? Yeah. If it, did he cross the goal line? Sure. Is he out of bounds, right? They want to look at it from every conceivable angle. So, um, and that's pretty good. So, we're average guys. You're more so into sports than some of the rest of us. What should we be looking for on the Chiefs' side, on the 49ers' side? What are some keys to the game there, big guy? So, so for the Chiefs, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how, how many times Patrick Mahomes, I guess, passes the ball. Mm. He can win th- throwing 17 times and 21 or 33. I'm intrigued on, on seeing how much they need him in, in this game. Um, and it's a also, lot of passes. 
Yeah, um, and also um, th- th- their running back. Um, I'm I'm excited to see how they use him, uh, especially in the passing game. He doesn't get m- many many passing yards. Okay, but I'm intrigued in that. And also uh, the 49ers tight end. It, it's George Kittle. I'm excited to see how many receptions he gets. Maybe mm. maybe seven. Maybe three. I believe a month and a half ago, the 49ers, I think they played the, the Cowboys, and he had 11 receptions and three touchdowns and a wild game for him. So, so he, could be a, he could be one of the, uh, the, the difference makers yes, for the absolutely. 49ers. Yeah. And, of course, Kelsey, I guess, right, if he has a big day, that's not good for the 49ers. He, he should have a big day. He had 11 receptions a couple weeks ago. So, by the way, I'm I'm monitoring the uh, pregame stuff here. They've already showed Taylor Swift up in the box. Oh, I bet so. so. You know, <laughs> is there any over and under betting on how many times they're going to show her? Twenty five. Is that right? <laughs> it, it's not real, but I'm uh, just guessing that. I can believe it. Okay, um, Valentine's Day. Also, I was listening to Jeff and Ed and and uh, some discussion. I don't know how it came about, but they've determined you have a girlfriend. So, yes. you're a good person to chime in on this because I'm clueless about anything related to Valentine's Day, but there is apparently uh, some kind of survey that's come out about the the top-rated restaurants for this Valentine's Day. Okay. Now, most of these, you know, it's too late for this year, but you can do some booking for next year. The top 25, this according to Yelp, the most romantic Valentine's Day restaurants. Austin has one on the list. There's actually uh, 18 in California, 12 in Florida, Texas 8, Arizona, Nevada 6. The one here in Texas is called ABBA. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of it. Have Me you? either. Okay. Well, if you're going to take your honey there next year, you might want to get started. We did find out, just uh, based on the information they had on their recording, that there's 60-day lead times on reservations, not just for Valentine's Day. That's just if you just want to take your honey on a random Tuesday. Exactly. 60-day oh lead times. <laughs> and I'm sure you can get the KLBJ or uh, 102.7 credit card from yes. Jeff or Ed. Yes. They'll loan it to you so you can take your sweetie there and, and have a big dinner on the company. <laughs> Thank you for chiming in, Garrett. Appreciate all your help as always. I wish we had time. Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees out uh, for this weekend. And once again, Kansas and Boston not on the list. Don't understand. See you next week.